You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLovingLogo and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Doing so doesn't cost you a single penny and ensures you never miss another episode. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. So folks, we have quite a bit to get through on this episode. I'm going to talk a little bit about what exactly occurred in last week's overtime winner one nothing over the Edmonton Oilers in Game 2, and then talk about Game Number 3, and maybe a little bit of an early thought into Game Number 4. Before we talk about the Jets, though, it is interesting to note that the Boston Bruins have actually eliminated the Washington Capitals already. It is a 4-1 to series, and I will say that it is slightly surprising from my perspective. I thought the Caps were not great, but I did expect them to maybe win one more game at least. Um, but, you know, I was kind of suspicious of this team the entire season. I think there were a lot of reasons why I felt like the Caps maybe weren't as good as the record looked. I felt like eventually some team was going to expose their lack of speed, some of the really poor decision-making, and the general aging of the roster, which definitely does look like it's kind of in the waning years of both Ovechkin, Backstrom, and, you know, the rest of the guys as part of the cast. As you might expect, the Caps did actually cash all their chips in, and now they are starting to see some of those consequences catching up. But of course, it did actually get them a cup a couple of years ago, and that was always the main ambition of this franchise, especially under Ovechkin, so... You know, I don't think the Caps are going to be too, too upset. I do think that they want to prolong this window for as long as possible, but that time has probably come and gone. The Caps are definitely in the swan song era of this part of the Caps roster. But, you know, for the Cup win, that is the price, and I'm sure they would gladly pay it over again if they could do it as many times as they wanted. There are plenty of playoff series that are currently underway, some of which are actually nearing completion, but we're not going to talk about this tonight because we actually want to focus on the Jets. Um... And let's talk about Friday's game, in which the Jets actually won one nothing. And you know that the first three periods or so, there was a mixture of different styles of play. You know, the Jets came out really aggressively in the first period, and then in periods two and three, started to play for more like a draw or some sort, just forcing overtime. Basically, playing not to get scored on. We know that Winnipeg doesn't always handle that super well, so it's it's one of those very much risk-reward kind of things, and with the Jets, it's usually not a reward that they actually get. They only ever get a, a bad payout, so to speak. This time, though, thankfully, you know, they actually caught Mike Smith off guard a little bit in this one. Um, overtime didn't last very long. Edmonton had a couple of really good early shifts, and then Winnipeg hit back on one or two counters, and on one of them, Paul Stastny was shooting from, like, the right face-off circle, and not deep into it, pretty high up, and it just seemed to catch Mike Smith completely unawares, the shot just sort of wristed over his glove, and just like that, Winnipeg was up 2-0 in the series. This is kind of one of those funny games, because on the one hand, I would say that the scoreline is actually pretty fair, I think both Smith and Hellebuck were great, and I think both teams actually did enough to create um, some pretty decent chances to the point where I feel like either team winning would have been a fair result. Like, I wouldn't have argued with it if Edmonton had won, and if the Jets had won, I also would have thought that that was appropriate. Would I say the Jets were very clearly better than the Oilers? 
Mm, uh, maybe. I think there were parts of the game where the Jets were definitely the superior team, but those parts definitely came earlier. As the game continued to wear on, I felt like the Jets became a lot more passive and less aggressive. And in my mind, that's always a very dangerous game with the Jets. I, I would want them to be very assertive, especially against lines that don't contain Connor McDavid. You know, if you look past like the top two lines for the Oilers, that roster is kind of a mess. And the defense, while competent for the most part, it's not great. You know, if you start pressuring their blue liners, they do commit turnovers, they make mistakes. It's not a really stable team altogether. There's like a lot of AHL depth players there that the Jets should honestly be crushing. I know some people think the Jets, for, you know, depth forwards and stuff are overrated or whatever, but I actually disagree. I think the Jets have quite a few good depth players who are very productive in the right roles and certainly placed on the right lines. Right now, I don't think that the arrangement is super ideal. I think, you know, Cop, Lowry, Appleton, that unit isn't all that great. Connor Shifley Wheeler is also kind of a problem, especially defensively, because when they're not scoring, which they've been doing a little bit more of recently, you know, not scoring though, they are kind of a mess. Um, and that's, that's something that, that hasn't really changed all that much. It's not completely untenable, but it's at the point where if McDavid were to start waking up against that Shifley line, you would start to see some results that were probably a little bit garish as far as Winnipeg is concerned. So overall, you know, a, a fair result, a good win, a very important one. Um, and Winnipeg, of course, would come back home over the weekend on Sunday for an extremely pivotal game number three. Now, this game, yeah, I, I don't even know how to describe it in words. We're going to attempt to do so in just a little bit and talk about what exactly transpired because, you know, I've said a lot of times this season, the Jets, for me, are kind of like memes and trolls. You know, it's one of those teams where it's not really clear which version of the team you're going to get. Sometimes they are phenomenal and, and really fun to watch. Other times, the Jets are just absolute chaos, but mostly in their own end. And my concern was, you know, having seen Winnipeg's home splits over the past couple of months and knowing that the, the Oilers have a really good, really dangerous top six, especially when it's placed on the power play, I was kind of worrying about what would happen if McDavid and Dreisaitl both woke up at the same time and started to produce. This is not a team that you want to take lightly, and I think even with the addition of Nikolai Ehlers, Edmonton is still at times better when it comes to those matchups. Not because the, the Edmonton Oilers, you know, line depth is great, it's not. But the way that the, the Oilers have leveraged it against Winnipeg so far really hasn't mattered because the Jets definitely hard match against McDavid, and for the rest of the lines, they just haven't been that aggressive. This, you know, game number two is probably the first time I felt that that was a bit different. But, you know, maybe things were going to be different for game three, at least that was my hope. What instead unfolded was utter insanity. Before we even try to begin to talk about game number three, I did want to tell you a little bit about why you should be using Credit Karma. Who doesn't love instant gratification? If you're looking for satisfaction, there's no need to wait. With Credit Karma Money, you could win cash reimbursements for debit purchases. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to over 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Again, go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. 
Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. They have come up with a unique solution that I think you'll love. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. Lucy's come up with a nicotine gum and a lozenge that they've researched and developed for three years to be made for people, not patients. Lucy gum comes with four milligrams of nicotine and it comes in three flavors including wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. All of them great tasting. They also have a lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine as well in three flavors of cherry ice, citrus, and mint. Lucy lozenges and gum are FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your FSA card to purchase Lucy now. It's convenient and discreet. Lucy can be enjoyed anywhere on flights, at work, on the go, or even in the gym. It's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes, unplug your vape, throw out your dip, and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your doorstep each month, and it couldn't be easier. It's so simple, and you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down. As I mentioned earlier, Lucy gum and lozenges are FSA and HSA eligible, so you can spend pre-tax dollars on them. Go to lucy.co and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL at checkout. Also, I have to give this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are talking about Winnipeg versus Edmonton and the series so far. And after a very tight, intense first couple of games, game number three was an entirely different animal. Very tense in certain areas, very close in others. But wow, what a ride this game was. Right off the bat, you could tell that Edmonton was a lot hungrier and very angry over the past couple of results. I think the Oilers knew that being down 2-0 in the series, especially when you had a couple of home games to start, just puts the team in a really rough spot. You know, you were hoping for two home wins, you didn't get them, and now you're down to a team that you frankly owned in the regular season. So, on the road against the Jets, what are you going to do? Well, for starters, they did make a couple of changes. Dreisaitl moved to the first line with McDavid, and so they sort of understood that now that the Jets might hard match that, it's going to leave these other depth lines to sort of pick up the trash. I think what the Oilers were banking on was that Winnipeg would actually play these depth lines like they were all playing McDavid, and I think that that actually held true for most of the game. The Jets just looked really disorganized, they looked slow, and every time Edmonton had a transition counter, Winnipeg was in trouble. McDavid and, and Dreisaitl were just feasting the entire night. And over the course of the game, Winnipeg found itself in a 4-1 hole. And unfortunately, you could point to a couple of key culprits. Derek Forbort had one of the worst outings I've ever seen from a Winnipeg Jets defender. And like, I hate to pick on the guy, but I think he does need to be benched. He just doesn't really look right. He looks very slow. His reads have been very off-timed. Whatever he was when he first arrived to the Jets, he doesn't look like that guy at all. Maybe we were a bit fooled for the first couple of games, but honestly, man, this is just not a good look for him. I also thought Pierre-Luc Dubois for the first couple of periods was just atrocious. This is probably one of his worst games as a Jet. He was making constant turnovers, not really engaged, very poor reads and decisions, just a, a very off performance. But luckily for PLD, he did actually start to wake up by period number three or so. I'm just not super sure about Dubois yet and how he fits into Winnipeg. I think that there is a version of him that's a lot better than what we've seen, but I don't know if he's going to realize that version of himself as a member of Winnipeg or you know, under this current coaching staff and system. The team is going to have to adjust around him to really find the version of PLD that is that net driving menace with a really good shot. So I don't know if it's going to happen. We'll find out. But thankfully, you know, at least for this game, he was able to recover at least a little bit of form. Still was a pretty bad game from him overall. On the more positive side of things, of course, Nikolai Ehlers came back and was immediately creating. And that's partly a, a cause for concern because he only played a handful of minutes in the first couple of periods. 
I get that the Jets did actually have to kill off a, a number of penalties, especially as they uh, continue to get really outclassed by the Oilers. But you got to feed Ehlers, man. Like, he's your best transition creator. He's your most creative player, especially in space. He's a dominant attacker. And when you need goal scoring, he's finally found that release that's been helping him pick those corners he's been missing over the past couple of seasons. So, you know, overall, Ehlers just a monster. He showed why he was so valuable tonight. A very good game from him. I was also impressed with Neil Pionk. I think Pionk, for me, just continues to be such a force on the back end. There are a lot of players that have come through the Jets roster, especially on defense, and for the most part, I've been, like, really underwhelmed by a lot of them. Pionk, for some reason, has found a way to, like, carve out a hole in this heart, and it's just never going away. His next contract is probably going to look like a five- to six-year deal by around five and a half or so million per season, and if I'm the Jets, I would be looking at that very strongly. I would personally prefer like a four to five year deal. I don't think you want to tie up a lot of term on his contract, but you know, five and a half to 5.75 million, I would be interested in that heavily. I think Pionk deserves a letter on his shoulder at some point. He's just an on-ice leader, and I really have been impressed with him over the past couple of uh, seasons, but especially this year. His growth is very tangible, he seems like he's having a blast, and he continues to lead by example. Of course, all of that for tonight probably seemed a little moot until at least the third period when the Jets were down 4-1. to one. Things had looked pretty grim, the Jets were being skated around in circles, and then, out of all things, Josh Archibald actually clipped Logan Stanley with a low bridge hit to his knees, and that actually should have been like a five-minute major. Archibald actually does have a hearing scheduled with the DOP, so he will be getting a suspension of some sort. Not surprising. It was a very nasty hit, and Edmonton's probably lucky he didn't get ejected. All of a sudden, though, you know, the Jets got a nice power play goal from Matthew Perot, and the route really started. Edmonton started to feel Winnipeg's pressure almost immediately. The Jets started to believe. You know, the top line was pressuring, the depth lines were pressuring, everyone was starting to really cram it down Edmonton's central slot area. And in some bang-bang sequences, you know, Wheeler cuts in through the slot and scores, and then just like a minute or so later, Josh Morrissey scores from between the face-off circles, a bit of a point-knuckle shot. But even with a tied game 4-4, Winnipeg still wasn't done. They were constantly pressuring, harassing the Oilers, really bearing down and almost scoring a couple of times, but somehow the puck stayed out, and off to overtime it went. Overtime was chaos. Both teams were moving back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Crazy counters. I would say Edmonton probably had the bulk of the most dangerous chances for the first couple of minutes. Connor Hellebuck really stood tall in this game. I thought he was magnificent. And he gave the Jets a fighting chance, and then, of course, Nikolai Ehlers off a face-off towards the middle or past the halfway point of the period. Wrists won home for his second goal of the game, and an absolutely stunning winner. (laughs) One of the craziest games that I've ever seen as a Jets fan. And Winnipeg is now up 3-0 in this series with a chance to sweep on Monday. So, just a really crazy night. Um, And we're actually going to take a look at how the Jets are doing in game number four in just a little bit. Before then, though, you need to hear about why Bilt Bar is the best-tasting protein bar on the market. If you are a longtime listener of this podcast, by now you know that I'm personally a huge fan of Bilt Bar, and if you have no idea what I'm talking about, it's the only protein bar that tastes more like a candy bar, because each bar is coated in 100% chocolate and features a soft, chewy interior. Bilt Bar comes in nine delicious flavors including coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. Of course, Built will also run some very, very special flavors, and you want to stay tuned to the newsletter or periodically check it back on their website for when they have their very special limited edition, limited quantity flavors that include very special standouts like Churro Puff. Trust me when I say these things are delicious, and best of all, they're fantastic for you, with most Built Bars clocking in at around 130 to 170 calories, between 70 to 18 grams of protein, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. 
To place your order right now, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 at checkout, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight's episode with some thoughts from Winnipeg's game number four against the Edmonton Oilers. I am not going to have the full conclusion, so we'll talk about the game's results and scoreline on tomorrow night's episode. But for now, let's talk about the first period or so, which for the Jets was actually pretty darn good. Winnipeg was very aggressive. I felt like for the most part, they were able to pressure and hound McDavid the entire time. The Jets were very dominant in a lot of areas. And they quickly added a couple of nice little goals while also conceding one that was a little bit greasy and not my favorite. But against the Oilers, you probably do expect this. At some point, McDavid is going to start waking up. And I think he he showed in the last game that certainly his line and, you know, certainly the second line, both top lines for the Oilers are pretty pissed about not scoring a whole lot recently and they want their presence to be known. That said, the Jets weren't really too bothered by it thanks to some nice little goal-scoring efforts from Mason Appleton on a great deflection and a beautiful Mark Shifley one-timer on the power play, the Jets were up 2-1 by the end of the period. I think for the Jets, this is one of those really important games where it shows that they're ready to put the series away and that they're very committed to ending it now rather than extending it. Sweeping a team is extraordinarily difficult. It almost never happens, and even when it does, again, it's still a very rare occurrence, and it takes something of a Herculean effort and a lot of good fortune. I think the Jets in some ways have been a bit lucky that Connor Hellebuck has really been amazing throughout most of the series. But, you know, I think for the Jets, they they can't really keep relying on their goaltender as their number one backstopper, you know, especially leading them to victory. They do need to give them more support. Defensively, they need to tighten up and they really need to limit the number of really dangerous chances that they're getting down low. This is something that they kind of did at points during game number two, um, and certainly parts of game three, they were okay. Uh, You know, they were actually producing a couple of good chances in game three, but they also allowed way too many against, especially to McDavid's unit, which isn't super surprising. In this game, I felt like the Jets had a really strong opening first period, but you could kind of tell that at times Winnipeg was maybe a little bit shaky defensively. And as the game kind of wore on into period number two, you could start to see that the tide was turning a bit. The second period was kind of a horror show towards the end because the Jets suddenly found themselves getting saddled with penalty after penalty, like in the last five minutes or so. And of course, Edmonton took advantage and had a scoreline of 3-2, to two, which if, you know, is, is not something that I think Jets fans were particularly worried about, but I, I kind of felt like this was different than yesterday when the Jets were down. Here, Winnipeg actually looked like they were running out of gas and starting to take really bad penalties and decisions. I'm not sure I entirely fault the team for this. I mean, they did just play last night in a very high-stakes game where they had a massive comeback after a really crappy start to the game, but, you know, by the same token, Edmonton came out with a statement of purpose and intent. I think the Jets need to do the same, and as the third period starts to approach, I would like to see the Jets get aggressive again. You know, they have shown that they can be a really resilient force when they want to be, but they've also shown us that sometimes when you put a lot of pressure on Winnipeg, they do kind of collapse, so I'm curious to know which team is going to show up in period number three. If the Jets don't close this series out tonight, it's not the end of the world, it's actually okay, but... I I don't want to see the series go beyond, you know, maybe one to two wins for the Oilers. If Edmonton starts to believe again, that's going to be a problem. You need to silence this and head it off right now and get as many um, games off of, of rest as you can, especially if you want to play Toronto in round number two. The Leafs won their second game against the, uh, the Montreal Canadiens, so they are up 2-1 in the series. I'm not sure when round two exactly would begin. I would assume sometime in, maybe next week or the week after, depending on when you know Toronto and the Jets would finish. If Toronto actually advances, maybe they don't. Maybe Montreal comes back. 
but assuming the Leafs uh, are are the next round opponent if the Jets advance, that's going to be a very interesting matchup. But, you know, first things first, Jets have to take care of Edmonton. They have done a pretty okay job of it so far with Hellebuck really bailing them out. While they've managed to catch the uh, the Oilers napping on a couple of occasions, especially in yesterday's game, I don't know if they're going to get it done tonight, but I really hope they do, and we'll talk about what exactly transpires in this final period of action, or even overtime, in tomorrow's episode. For tonight's show, though, that is going to do it. Before you sign off, I wanted to tell you about one more podcast you need to be listening to right now. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked In Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked In Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!